Hello, everybody. This is Alex Barthet with TheLeanZone.com. Today, we're going to talk again about the Families First Corona, Coronavirus Recovery Act um, with George Rivera. How are you doing today, George? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Alex? Good. Um, so we spoke about a week ago, right, George? Yeah, I think it was about a week ago. The days sort of blend in now. Yes, yes. I, I know the feeling. And while a week ago we thought we had some uh, answers to people's questions about um, this act, uh, since that since that time, now the Department of Labor has issued some additional guidelines intended to clarify where we are. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today so that we can try to give people better answers to the questions that I'm getting and you're getting on a regular basis. So why don't we dive right in and talk about the act generally, um, kind of where we were a week ago, and then what these clarifications have done. How's that sound? Okay, sounds good. So tell us about the act and its primary intent. Okay, so so this act, and by the way, uh, there's been clarification by, by the Department of Labor that it's effective April 1st rather than April 2nd, like uh, I guess all of us thought because of that 15 day from enactment would have been April 2nd, but now the Department of Labor has come out and said no. It's April 1st when it becomes effective, and I guess I just want to cover the, the, you know, from the first day of the quarter. So uh, the, the, there's two parts of the act that, uh, that we are focusing on, and those are the ones that impact uh, employers uh, to a large degree. This is the Expanded Family Medical Leave Act, which now covers uh, employees that are not able to work because they're taking care of a child uh, because school is up, school uh, has closed, or they're a child care worker, if it's some, uh, a kid that uh, baby that's not going to school, the child care worker is not able to work because of the coronavirus. So uh, that has expanded the Family Medical Leave Act and made it for the first time for that reason and that reason only as paid sick leave, which it had not been for any of the other reasons. The other part of it is the emergency sick leave, sick leave um, pay, which uh, covers up to 80 hours a week. Uh, I'm sorry, up to 80 hours every two weeks. It's, uh, it's a two-week, 80-hour period that it covers. And that is for one of the enumerated reasons dealing with the coronavirus outbreak. Let's run through those enumerated reasons, just so everyone's on the same page. Yeah, and uh, give me a chance just to make sure that I cover it correctly. Um, At a high level, it's primarily if you are, uh, as I recall, if you are taking care of someone that uh, has the coronavirus, if you have the coronavirus, or if you have to take care of a child, yeah. correct? Yeah, let me go through this. I have them right here in front of me. Uh, there are six reasons for the uh, uh, paid sick leave. So the reason number one, the employee is subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order related to the COVID-19. 
Number two, the employee has been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine due to concerns related to COVID-19. Number three, the employee is experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 and is seeking a medical diagnosis. Four, the employee is caring for an individual. Now, here, individual can be anybody. It doesn't have to be a family member. So the employee is caring for an individual who is subject to an order as described in paragraph one and two, which is related to the COVID-19, uh, or has been advised uh, as described in paragraph two. So it's got to be related to COVID-19. Number five, the employee is caring for a son or caring for a son or daughter or such employee if the school or place of care of the son or daughter has been closed or the child care provider of such child or daughter, son or daughter, is unable to work due to the COVID-19. And lastly, the employee is experiencing any other substantially similar conditions specified uh, by the Secretary of Health and Human Services in consultation with the Secretary of the Treasury and Secretary of Labor. So those are the six reasons. Now, what, what uh, some of the guidance that has been issued by the Department of Labor in the last few days clarifies uh, when it talks about an employee is subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order. What we have learned is that the Department of Labor does not mean this to say that if the state or, uh, or local government says, you got to close this or that business, uh, or we'd like everybody to stay home on social distancing, you can only go to the market. That's not what the act intended to cover. Right, because it, if it did, then everybody Everybody, two weeks of pay. Yeah, everybody in every uh, workplace that has been told to close down would be then eligible for these 80 hours of uh, paid sick leave. And that's not the intent of the law. So there's got to be a more specific where uh, an employee is told, you know, for example, now uh, people that are coming from New York are being checked by the National Guard at the airport or, and I think that the governor has put National Guard at the border of Florida. Can you imagine this? I mean, this is like a movie uh, where people are being checked, their ideas being checked to see where they're coming from. So if I, as the government, tell you, no, you're coming from New York and you've got to go to this particular hotel and you cannot leave that hotel for 14 days, that's the type of action from the government that the law is intended to cover. Right. Or if it's I'm on the, the it's it's at the employee level, right? It's like it yes. this rule applies to me as yes. as as Alex, not right. just generally. Or, or it could be a group of employees. Let's say that right. somebody at the workplace tests for coronavirus, right? They're positive. So now I tell everybody in that particular office, you have got to be in quarantine and you cannot leave your house. I mean not even to go to the market. This has got to be done by somebody else. I think that's the level of, um, you know, direction that the act is looking for as far as covering these things uh, for the uh, for the paid emergency paid sick leave. So let, let's talk about that, George, because um, I think as more testing happens, more cases are going to come uh, up. So let's talk about a specific example that would apply to someone in construction, right? So yes. let's assume that I own um, a plumbing company. I'm doing work on a job site. I have five uh, 
workers on the job site. Um, and then I have come to learn via an email or a phone call from the general contractor that it turns out that the uh, electrician, one of the electrician's men as of two days ago has now been confirmed, tested positive for the coronavirus. And the yep. contractor tells me that we're shutting down the job. Now I've had these five people on the job site that have been in close contact with this electrician. And I tell them, guys, you need to go home. You need to self-quarantine under the new DOL regulations of the Family First Act. Is it fair to say that I have to pay those folks, even though they haven't experienced anything, but because I have instructed them that they cannot work? Well, I, I think we need to take, go back to what the act says. Okay. So the act is talking about a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order. Interesting. Right? So it's not me telling the employee, go home and stay at home. Yeah, obviously, I don't have that authority to keep somebody inside. But the state or the local authority does, so that if they leave the house, they could face potential fines and whatnot. I don't have that authority as an employer. So even at that point, uh, I, at least the first uh, two would not apply. In other words, the employee is subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order. I'm not the state. I'm not the local. I'm not the federal. So it's I can't do that. Correct. Uh, the employee has been advised by a healthcare provider. I'm not a healthcare provider as an employer. Uh, the employer, the employer is experiencing symptoms of CO uh, of COVID. Well, I don't no. know. Not okay, right. so you know, we had one that test positive, but I'm just being cautious and saying, go home. I don't want you here. But you may not be experiencing symptoms, and you and you may not be seeking medical diagnosis, which is the other part of that. Um, so well, let, let, let's talk about that one for a second, George. So now yeah. if I'm the worker, I was on the job site and now I decide, uh oh, someone on the job site had uh, COVID-19. Um, I'm going to go get tested and now it's going to take me two days to get the necessary paperwork to go get tested as I am seeking a diagnosis now. Now that does cover me, correct? Am I experiencing symptoms of the COVID-19? That's part of that, that um, qualifying. Right. right, you need the symptoms as well as yes. seeking the di yes. diagnosis. Now, if I see you come into work and you're, uh, you got a high fever, you're coughing, well, hell, you're, I don't know what you got, but you're, that, that sounds to me like the symptom. So right. if, I, if I send you uh, home at that point, then yes, you may qualify for this because the last one, the employee is experiencing any substantially similar condition specified, and, and 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 that's what you're experiencing. And I see you, and I send you home. Well, maybe now at this point, this because now I see the the potential that you are sick. I send you home. This is where I think this was going to apply. But if somebody is not experiencing symptoms, and I just say, you know, right. let's be cautious. You go home. This would not apply to. So, okay, so uh, I have learned that uh, various jurisdictions, including Miami-Dade County Police um, and other jurisdictions, are ramping up 
uh, job site inspections to ensure CDC compliance with um, the uh, CDC or compliance with CDC guidelines, uh, right. hand washing, social distancing um, yes. on job sites, especially during lunch. So let's assume that I'm on a job site um, and there's 50 men in total. The police come by during lunch. They realize people are not doing what they're supposed to do. And under the jurisdiction of that uh, municipality, they shut down the job site. They say, you know yes. what? You're not complying. This job site is shut down. Yes. Now, that is now an order from an authority that says that I can't work on that job site. Doesn't mean I can't work on any other job site, but now let's assume that my employer says, okay, I don't have any any place else to put you until this job shows back up. I guess you're going to go home. Okay. Do you think that that falls within the act? No, that's not our quarantine or isolation order. And if that were the case, every restaurant and hotel that has been told to shut down, all of those employees would be subject to this uh, emergency paid sick leave. And they're not. So, no, the fact that the, the, the state or the county comes by and says, hey, you're going to shut down this uh, work site does not qualify the employees for the emergency paid sick leave. So going back to kind of the overarching what you believe to be the overarching intent of the Department of Labor. Is to, again, more narrowly tailor. Yes, the the um, those folks that are permitted to um get the benefit of the act correct yes yes and i don't th if i think that there would be no doubt in other words the employee would have some sort of order from the state or the local authority saying you shall remain at home and you shall not go out i think there'd be something specific to that not just this general's uh shelter at home and because that's really, you know, people can go out that you can go to the market, you can go to the pharmacy, you can go put gas in there. That's not that's not a quarantine or an isolation. That is basically uh, we don't want you getting too close to each other. So, you know, stay at home. <laughs> right. But it's not quarantine or isolation. So um, I uh, I'm going to ask a, a few more questions here. So tell me about um, we had a client that called and asked about. Uh, someone who did not want to come to work uh, because they were fearful of further exposure because they had a wife and, and uh, kids at home. And they said, yeah. you know what, if, if I don't get my job back, I guess that's okay. If you can have me do stuff at home, I would appreciate it. But I am not coming to work because I am scared. Um, yeah. Not covered by the act, correct? Correct. And this is something that is happening. Uh, we have uh, a client that uh, sent me copies of uh, 11 uh, letters that he got or yeah, they, that they got from uh, their current employees that are coming in uh, to work. Uh, they're an essential business. So these 11 employees are saying, I, I love my job. I don't want to lose my job, but I'm scared and I don't want to come to work. Well, uh, okay, you know, that's understandable. However, uh, if the employer does not have or the the work cannot be done through telework, then the employee must come to work. And if they don't come to work, then the employee 
uh, the employer can terminate that employee and they will not be subject to either the sick leave or the family medical leave uh, act now they could go and apply for unemployment maybe sure. uh, because uh well, in effect, it's not a termination per se, because it's a termination for cause. The right. employee has has, uh, has refuses to come to work. It's right. not that there is no work. It's just they refuse to come to work. So, yeah, I'm terminating you, but it's not because, um, you know, I don't have work. It's because you refuse to come to work. And so do they I have to make do I have to make telework available to someone? No, you don't have to make telework. I mean, there's only certain jobs, really, that can be done from home. You can't do construction from home. Right. So, you know, what are you going to do? You can't have everybody teleworking. There are some positions that you could. Uh, but, but I guess, George, the question is, do you have to? For example, let's say I'm a dispatcher, right? Yes. And I could be a dispatcher from home. I am far less efficient at home as a as a dispatcher than i am in the office right um so does my employer have to make telework so i could do it at home but do they have to make it available to me it's not required the employer decides whether where the work is going to be performed right. and if they decide to allow teleworking then that's fine if the, if the work can be done from home uh, but it's not required that you make telework available that's a decision for the employer so as an employer, what should I be getting as far as documentation to support any of the decisions that I may be making with respect to my employees um, about their health condition, whether they've seen a doctor, whether they're experiencing symptoms, is a phone call enough, an email, a text message, what, what's best practice? I, I think that uh, you have to, when, when you're asking for proof or documentation, you need to take in, in, into consideration uh, the current state of affairs. Uh, I just got a call last week from my doctor saying, you have an appointment next week, but we don't want you here. Uh, are you okay? Is there anything going on that we should know about? I said, no, I'm fine. This is just my regular scheduled appointment says no well we uh, unless there's something going on with you we just don't want you here so the, these are unusual times so what i would do is for example the people that are out because school is out well we know it's it's been published it's you know the, the documentation that you will ask for is maybe nothing because everybody knows that school is out uh, now, if somebody says, I've been told that I have to quarantine, I have to be in isolation, uh, then you may want to have some sort of documentation as to, well, who told you and do you have something in writing? Can you send it to us? Or if my doctor has told me, can you ask your doctor to send us something? Again, uh, keeping in mind that we're living in unusual times and, uh, and what could have been gotten in 15 days as far as documentation may take a little bit longer. So you want to be flexible. You want to ask for the documentation, but you want to be flexible that uh, it may not, you know, under the usual FMLA, we, we ask for uh, medical certification. And if they don't have it back within 15 days, we can suspend or we can delay FMLA leave. Well, you know, again, if you have somebody that needs the FMLA leave, um, although the only thing that the paid sick leave would qualify for is the um, 
is the taking care of the child. But let's say that you have a serious medical condition other than the COVID-19. Since we're going through this uh, period, uh, it, it may be necessary for you to, even if they don't return the medical certification within 15 days, to allow more time because the, the fact is that doctors' offices are not seeing patients or a lot of them are not seeing patients face-to-face. Uh, -face. So it may take a little bit long. You need to call them. They need to send you documentation. Take all of that into consideration. But you do want to document so that you are able to, to prove and the employee is able to prove that they qualify uh, because otherwise you may have your whole workforce saying, well, I'm supposed to get this leave, so I'm going to be out. And you're gonna have, not going to have anybody working for you. So you do want to let the employees know, you know, if you are claiming that you need the paid uh, emergency leave, then we're going to need to see why. Let's show us. Um, so we got a question from a, a gentleman by the name of Marcus. Um, and he wanted to know, and I think we've covered this generally, um, What's the process for em when employees request the emergency leave and FMLA? Should they sign a document that states that they are requesting and why what they are requesting and why they feel they are eligible? What information can we ask for? What information can't we ask for? Um, and is there a way to just put this on a form so right. that you know we can identify the six items? that are set forth in the Family First Act and, and get people to deal with it that way. Yes. If we're talking just about the expanded FMLA leave, then remember that the only uh, thing that qualifies for the expanded FMLA paid leave is the taking care of a child. Um, you know, you should know, I think, who has kids and who doesn't. Uh, if somebody is asking for this leave, then, uh, then I would ask them to put it in writing to you so that they you can show that they asked for the leave and then they, who are they taking care of? You know, or I'm taking care of my two kids or, you know, I have uh, my associate, Jeanette, who, uh, who has uh, twins and, and another kid. Uh, she says she's uh, she's ready to come back to work. She can't stay kids. <laughs> But anyway, the kids are out of school, and so I know that, so I'm not going to request that she give me anything, although she's able to telework, so she's not on that. And by the way, if you're able to telework uh, or work from home, you're not entitled to this uh, paid uh, family medical leave because you're working, and I'm paying you as an employer, so you don't qualify for this. Um, as far as the other reasons, uh, I would say that we want to ask the employee to provide some sort of proof. Right. If somebody tells me, uh, the county has told me, I, I call you, right? I'm the employee, I call you as the employer. The county has told me, well, the county doesn't tell you. They usually send you something eventually. I mean, they may give you a call, but some sort of order has come down. I would say, can you provide me with something in writing to so that I can... Uh, document that you, in fact, uh, have been, uh, you know, quarantined or, or isolated by the by the state or the county. I would ask for some sort of documentation. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to have everybody claiming all sorts of stuff. And if you haven't asked for documentation, and now you happen to ask somebody, they're going to say, "Well, you're discriminating against me because you haven't asked anybody right. else for documentation." So I would say everybody that's asking for this sort of leave 
what documentation can you provide me? And then look at it and then uh, make the decision. If you have any questions, then you consult with uh, your attorney or you can call us and we'll, we'll help you. We'll walk you through it. Good. Okay. So let me end uh, with a discussion a little bit about not directly related to the act, but just some other HR issues that I'm hearing from clients. What about the idea of, and I know we talked about this in our first discussion, reducing people's pay, right? Everyone in generally in Florida is an at-will employee. If I decide that this person or this group of people I was paying you X, now I'm going to pay you 10, yeah. 20, 30, 40% less than X just because, and I may decide to give it to you as a bonus at the end of the year. I may not. I can do that, correct? Absolutely. As long as you don't pay below the minimum wage, and uh, if somebody works overtime, you will pay them time and a half, then you're absolutely, uh, as an employer, within your rights to reduce pay. Now, I will say that uh, under this uh, new CARES um, law that uh, was signed by the president this weekend, that uh, you may apply for uh, SBA funding to cover your payroll and other costs. So I would encourage uh, every employer that uh, has less than 500 employees that, to apply for this because this will give you approximately two months worth of uh, uh, payroll, uh, money to cover the payroll plus rent and utilities and whatnot. And it, it, it is whatever amount you apply to those, those things, it is a forgiven amount. It is not a loan. So there's just no downside to it other than having to go through the um, through the process of applying for these loans. Uh, so that you, I mean, the intent of the law is for you as an employer to bring back people that maybe you had to uh, terminate because you didn't have enough work or to again increase the pay of individuals that you had to reduce because of uh you're not getting uh, enough payment from your clients or your you know jobs, etc. I would take advantage of it. It's a it's a way for people getting money into people's hands so they can pay for their um, you know mortgages and rents and food and whatnot. It, it's you know it's incredible the amount of money that the government has approved for this. So and again, the employees need it. If they're out of work or their their hours have been reduced or their pay has been reduced, they're hurting. Uh, so I encourage everybody to apply for that uh, that loan. Is there anything, George, that we didn't cover of, of significant interest in the Department of Labor clarifications? Uh, no, the only thing I would say is this. The uh, department is incrementally uh, adding guidance. And so this is not over. Uh, we are getting uh, question upon question added to the website every day. And so uh, it, it's very confusing. Um, yeah, so let I, me let me give everyone that website that may be listening. Um, it'll be in the show notes. It's dol.gov forward slash agencies forward slash WHD forward slash pandemic um, right. is the, the main site where all of this information is being constantly updated by the Department of Labor themselves. George, so one other question tell me about the poster the poster with the poster the poster is now available in english and spanish right so on that this, website on that website yes um 
And if you don't find it, just let me know. I'll send you both. The, uh, by the way, I was asked by somebody whether the department will do it in, in Creole, and who knows? I, you know, maybe they'll do it in Chinese. I don't know. Uh, but at this point, we have the English and the Spanish posters. They're supposed to be posted the same way or the same places where you post your FLSA, your EEOC, your workers' comp. In other words, where, where employees will see them. If you have people working at home, then it's recommended that you email them the posters so that they have the notification. This is required, so uh, so put the poster up, and if you got people working at home, email it to them. Perfect. Um, George, thanks again for taking the time. I hope we don't have to talk again like this in a week because of new guidelines, but I have a feeling we're gonna be talking some more. Oh, this is gonna be ongoing, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Alex, and to your clients, so uh, whatever questions you have, just uh, keep on calling us. I'll put uh, your contact information in the show notes uh, for both the YouTube video and the podcast, but if uh, folks wanted to reach you, George, what's your phone number? It's uh, My phone number is 305-406-3538. And the email that you can reach me at, at or reach us at is info at hrmcs.com. Perfect. George, thanks again. Stay safe and we'll talk soon. You too, Alex. Take care.